Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, 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 what's up, champagne sharks? This is Trevor and Mario's with us. What's going on, Mario? What's going on, team? How you doing, bro? doing okay man i just came from just came from the gym uh i've been uh working with like a boxing trainer and everything because uh i just want to try like a hobby or something try something different yeah. and uh, it's, it's been uh beating my ass man it's been tough yeah those boxing workouts are, are next level man it's uh not for the pain of heart that's for sure yeah yeah i have new respect it's like a weird respect it's like almost like a backhander kind of respect but yo like professional boxers who manage to still stay fat, I gotta know like what they're eating. Like like Andy Ruiz and people like that who can put on like a bunch of weight. Like you know they've got to be eating a lot because the amount of calories you burn with boxing, which I didn't realize, is uh, insane. I put a calorie tracker on anytime I work out. So you know I do like hardcore stairmaster. I do like uh, outdoor sprinting. All this stuff, you know. Right. Um, I do a hit workouts and boxing beats, beats workouts. them all. Shit, man, those hit workouts are crazy. Oh, they're crazy. But I'm telling you, the boxing the boxing session beats them. So far, really? box, boxing is beating everything. Yeah, I was surprised because you never even moving your legs like that. So, I, what's that? They got you skipping rope and everything too. What they do was they make me do twelve rounds. Um, so it's like it's twelve rounds of shadow boxing in the heavy bag, but you know yeah. it's still. They they treat it like a like a boxing match, so it's like you know one round for three minutes instead of like fighting somebody because there's no ring there to spar. So, okay. um, but but also even if there was a ring to spar, they say it takes you like a year or so of according to him of like just getting the basics down before they put you in the in the ring anyway. So he said I'm not missing anything anyway because he wouldn't put me to spar anyway. But um, no, so so they do like twelve rounds. There's three minutes, and you gotta um like shadow box and do the heavy bag. Then they call it combos. And um, you have to learn all the, all the combos and, and all this stuff. And um, they just keep making you do the combos like over and over again, for like three, three minutes. And uh, by the time you're done, like it'll be like f- between four, 45, 50 minutes. And it's like, uh, I burn like 700 calories according to the, to the watch, which is, which is insane. Wow. Nothing else I do comes close to burning uh, that much. Well, you know, my son is training in boxing and Muay Thai right now. Oh, wow. So, nice. Yeah. Just looking at the workouts that he's doing, because I go to the, actually, we're here now. I'm actually uh, sitting outside in the car waiting on him while we're doing the, uh, while we're recording. And wow, sounds uh, mad quiet. How's there no background noise? I'm outside in the car. Oh, okay. With the windows up and everything. He's going to be here for about another hour or so. Um, and just looking at the workouts are crazy to me, bro. Like he, he, you know, um, they'll do some, some drills and then, you know, drop down 10 pushups, more drills, drop down, uh, burpees, you know, you know, those prison style workouts are actually really popular now. Yeah. Like the burpees and up downs and all that kind of stuff. When I played football, they were just called up downs or, or get ups, but you know, what, prison they call them burpees so like that's what a lot of people are doing now and a lot of oh, uh, oh is, is that where the name came from like, like from prison yeah 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 that's what uh a lot of that prison terminology they would call them burpees and i forget what some of the other names of the stuff is but um in football we have similar workouts it's just calisthenics it's just body weight exercises basically but um you know in prison i guess they threw their own little their own little twist to it and here we are so now everybody's doing it man and it's it's effective it's definitely effective man you know you ever seen some of how ripped some of those dudes that have been locked up for a long time are you, you know it's a, an effective workout system when when we used to do something as a kid when i used to play soccer they call but it was called like squat thrust but it was almost the exact same thing 
Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't a full fledged burpee because they didn't have the um um push up at the bottom. It was like you would right. jump up, um, drop to the floor and kick your legs out, but then you yeah. wouldn't do that extra motion of you know uh dipping down. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right because the the up downs of football it didn't have the push up. It was just we would um stand and um and get in a stance. And then we would shuffle our feet, and then they would say down, and we would drop down, up, and we'd hop up, shuffle our feet, drop down, jump, get back up, shuffle our feet. We would do that for like 10 repetitions, but we didn't have the push, you know, drop down, do the push up, jump up, yeah. jump in the air, jump back. Like, we didn't do that. Man, that extra push up makes all the difference, man. I think is is hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Um about, I was trying to restart because uh, I used to box when I was for about 11 to about 13. And um, I was trying to see if I could, you know, pick it back up. I wish that was something I would have stuck with, it, you know, but being a knucklehead. And so I started to train at the gym that my son trains at, man. I did, I got through the day. You know, I got through the day, but it was just like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> Like to make it. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man. Age, age, it's different because, like, I feel like if I was like 17, man, this this thing would. Oh. I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd be easy, but it'd be easy, way easier. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. looking at him now. He's, it's it's. I think he struggled for like the first week and a half, two weeks that he was that he was here, but now it's like nothing for him. Did yeah. he struggle with the endurance or with the um technique? With boxing or with any, uh, Wait. you're going to struggle if your endurance with boxing or any of the combat sports. You're going to struggle if your endurance is off. You're not going to be able to properly do the techniques. Honestly, you know, yeah. uh, if you're out of breath, if you can't lift your arms, you can't shuffle your yeah. One of the first things to go is your footwork when you're tired in boxing. That's one of the first things that goes, and um, everything else just kind of goes out of the window after that. So. But he's making yeah. it happen. Yeah, for me, when I uh, start getting tired, I start crossing my feet. Like, like you know, it's a like cardinal sin in boxing. You're not supposed to cross cross your feet. You gotta yeah. like uh, when your feet move, you gotta move like your. If you're moving right, you can move your right foot first, then your left. You can't move your. You can't cross your left over your right to move right because that's like a yeah. cardinal sin. And like, and like by like round 10, 11, I'm just crossing my feet left and right. He's all yelling at me. Like, stop crossing your feet. <laughs> just like, my feet are going yeah. every which way. Yeah, that's how you get knocked out. Yeah, exactly. You trip over your own feet. It's like, uh, no, no. yeah, but I'm telling you, man, the fat boxers, man, I, I want to know, like, what they're, especially like fat boxers in their 20s, when like, that's the age like your metabolism is like through the roof. I mean, uh -huh. Andy Ruiz even said himself, he was eating like whole pizza pies every day. When he gained oh. when he gained all that weight before the second uh, Anthony Joshua fight, yeah, what was that say? Because he was a champion. Oh, that's crazy to me, man. Yeah. Like you come in, you get the biggest win of your career, you're a champ, and then you uh, you self sabotage like that. That's that's uh, that's crazy to me. Was, I think because he never expected to be a champ, and I think it like it scared him. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think happened. Because, because, I mean. He's skilled. He Mexican champ in L.A., dude. Oh man, yeah. he, a Mexican heavyweight champ in from Los Angeles, man. He he was like, like a king. Yeah, yeah. but but but, just... but that dude, he can bang, man. He's 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 oh, he's yeah. strong. Oh, yeah. He he's strong, yeah. but but like all like all the Mexican fighters, he's like flat footed as hell and everything. And yeah. and yeah. I think what he what what he, what he did in his mind. Um, and and this is why I think this, right? Uh, he's let himself get really fat and then train hard because he was like, damn, I didn't expect to actually make it this far. And now yeah. I got to defend this title and now I got to show it wasn't a fluke. And I think when his mind, you know, I think it's like, uh, this did happen in college, right? Where some people would be like, before a test, they would like hang out and drink or they wouldn't study until the last minute. And then they would show up to the test and they'd announce that so everyone could hear man i didn't study for this test at all i was slacking off all semester long man i just crammed man i don't know if i'm gonna do okay or i went out and partied instead of uh studied man I, I, i'm hung over and mm -hmm. the reason people do that is like they're afraid of giving their all 
and doing their best and still failing and then proving that they can't cut it. So what they do is they get a pre-made excuse. And then if if the worst happens and they do fail, they could be like, well, yeah, I told everybody I was, uh, I didn't study or I told everybody I was out drinking all night. But then if you do, um, if you do win, if you do pass, then you could be like, man, look at that. You know, I, I passed. Can you imagine if I tried? You know what I mean? And it becomes like a way to give themselves an out no matter what happens. And if they do in the middle, like they come, they do okay and almost pass or they pass by a little bit. They're like, wow, it's not bad for somebody who didn't study or who was out all night, right. you know? Right. So can right. you imagine if I was, and in the interview after the match, Ruiz freaking said that, man. He said, when as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh man, he's doing this, the, the party before the testing. He, he said, yeah, man, I wasn't training, but you know, I did pretty good for not training. He kept saying it over and over again. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, this dude, he just wanted to lose graciously or, you know, he, he, uh, he was afraid to give it his all and yeah. then have it be a, be a fluke, man. You know, it's weird but, to me you, yeah. when you mention that it's, it's odd to me because to get to that higher level requires a lot of training, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of discipline. So it's just like, why do so much to get to the professional level? And then when you get to the peak of that profession, that's when you decide, oh, you know, I'm going to slack off and I don't want to work. I don't want to do this. And that. like, you're already there. You're at the precipice. Like you put in work and sacrifice to get there. And then, you know, when you're but, knocking at the door of greatness, you just, oh, oh, that's enough. But, but, you know, you know why that happens sometimes, right? Um, Cause I can tell you this from law school. Like if you, if you go to law school, even if you're not like a top law school, like Harvard, if you go to law school, you're surrounded by people who've, you know, been dedicated to school their whole lives, even if, you know, they weren't always, uh, you know, the top of their school, but probably especially with those, you know, tier one law schools and everything. And um, you'd be surprised how far you can get on like natural talent or half-assing if you're like a smart, smart uh, person. So you have a lot of people who, when they get to something like law school or medical school or something where everybody who's there, um is a relatively smart person a lot of times people hit the point for the first time where it's like shit i really gotta work and yeah yeah, some people so it's like people weren't working hard these people were all studying and doing stuff but they never had to go past uh the comfort zone so i'm thinking like maybe andrew ruiz maybe like most boxers he started young he um you know worked hard but he never had to go past his you know um comfort zone or something where you have to give like some people can get pretty far in 60 percent or 70 percent you know like because they have a uh, natural gifts or whatever and yeah yeah barry sanders dilemma i remember um i wish i could find that interview i was an interview i saw with barry sanders years ago and uh, you remember when he retired it caused that big controversy well yeah everybody was shocked yeah i remember I remember um, when he finally spoke about it a few years later, he was saying that uh, football was never his first love. He just said that it happened to be something that he was really good at, but he didn't really care much for foot. He liked it, but it wasn't like his first love was really basketball. That's he, insane. He said, yeah, he said that he didn't have the size, obviously, you know, to play. I think Barry Sanders was, what, five seven, five eight, something like that? Yeah. He didn't have the size to go as far in basketball as he would have, as he thought that he could have went or that he would have wanted to go. And so um, he just stuck with football because he just happened to be really good at it. But he was never like in love with the game of football like that. That's why it was so easy for him to walk away literally right before he was going to become the all time leading rusher in the history of the sport. Yeah, I remember everybody was like that blew their minds. Like, yeah, and I, I never knew that was the reason. Like, like uh, to this day, I never knew until you just told me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. everybody, I remember. Remember all the theories? People like, yo, does he have a disease? Is he? Uh, is some scandal yeah. gonna come out? Right, right. Does he use steroids? Yeah. Yeah, and he was yeah. like, no, I just don't want to do it. And the scandal never came. It was so easy for him to walk away from. We just could not fathom someone literally just right there knocking at the door of being the all-time leading rusher like i think he needed a few thousand yards and he would have had it and he would have had done it with the least carries of anybody in history and uh, because you know he averaged like five yards a carry which is crazy 
One was really crazy about him is I remember a lot of his highlight plays, he would run the ball back sometimes a couple of, a couple couple of yards right. Right. to loop back. So he actually added up all the yards he actually had to run to get those five yards and all the sideways right. running he had to do. He, yeah. uh, I, 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 I think really <laughs> five yards was really like nine yards per carry. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. But I think he also had the most lost yardage in the history of the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that would up. make I sense. He also had the most negative yardage. So that just goes to show how good the guy was for him to have that much negative yardage, but still average over five yards per carry. And he has somebody like Emmitt Smith, who had an elite offensive line for the vast majority of his career, barely averaged over four. And it's just like that's crazy. Barry Sanders notorious had a was notorious for having a, a mediocre offensive line, and uh, that just goes to show how good that guy was. Man, it was uh, he had like a preternatural talent for running that ball, but he did not love football. So that's why it was so easy for him to walk away. And we're all looking at him like he's crazy, but you know he just he, he never loved it. So, but thing thing that was sick with him playing football, he used to even look bored. While he was juking everybody, <laughs> like, like you see his face <laughs> through the helmet, and you look on the uh on the highlight reels, like uh-huh. it looked so effortless to him. It looked like he could he was like thinking about shit while he was running. Like you know, it's like I wonder if the stove is on at home. Like like right. his face used to look used to look like that. Damn, did I forget to cut my lights off? Shit. <laughs> Wait, Kenny's here. Hold on. Hope you hope he wasn't here long. What's up, Bobo? What's cracking? We're talking about uh, Barry Sanders, football player. Yeah. Uh-huh. What did he do? He reti- no, no, this, this is retirement. I uh, I never knew why he retired. And um, Mario just told me that he was just bored with uh, football. It was never his first love. Yeah, yeah. He pretty much walked away um, at the height of his career. I mean, he kind of like walked away from football the way um, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I don't think I mean, any basketball. I don't think any basketball player or Jim Brown did the same thing. Jim Brown did the same thing. But what I was telling T was, um, you know, Jim Brown was the all-time leading rusher when he retired, even though he retired. I think Jim Brown only played, what, nine seasons? Yeah, he played like nine years. He had like a 6.5 yard per carry, something crazy. Right, right. And I was telling T that I had read an interview, because remember how, remember what it was back then. I'm not going to say it was a controversy, but it caused a stir when he retired. I'm talking about Barry. Yeah, And uh, people were trying to figure out, like, what the hell's going on, you know, because remember, he was right on the precipice of becoming the all-time leading rusher. Oh, yeah. When he retired. And so I was telling T, I remember, um, like, a couple years later when he finally came out, you know, and started giving interviews again, um, he was talking about how he never really was in love with football like that. He just happened to be really good at it. But he didn't love it. He said that actually basketball was his first love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because um, Barry Sanders' dad, like his motivation for playing football was really his dad because Mm -hmm. his dad believed that Jim Brown was the greatest running back of all time. No matter what Barry Sanders did, he felt like Jim Brown was the greatest running back of all time. He went on Barry Sanders was amazing. You know what right. I mean? So we once that about how Barry was able to average five yards a carry despite having the most negative rushing yards in history. Oh yeah, in you know, you know the, the, yeah. I think Emmett Smith uh, played I think seventeen years or something like that, but Barry would have broke that record in like twelve years. Yeah, it, it was it was he was there. He was literally yeah. right there. Yeah, so I think he, yeah. he was like nineteen hundred yards or something crazy. Like yeah, that, some crazy. It's like it's yeah. almost like how Michael Jordan. Really, only played thirteen first years. First retirement, yeah, yeah. First retirement, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, they were already that's calling good, Michael Jordan good. the greatest basketball player of all time when he retired the first time. Yeah, right. you know that's what I'm saying? Perfect, like it was, that's, yeah, that's the one right there. That's the analogy right there. Yeah, it's like when, when he, he wouldn't retire for the first time. It could be because it's this thing where I was listening to a podcast uh, blah, 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 yesterday, and they were talking about the way the media sees sports today as compared to the way they did 20 years ago, um, you know, 20 years, we didn't have any, like, I think the first, those quote unquote debate shows came about, about 2003, 2004, something like that. Um, but before you only knew what was going on. If you watch the game, you read stats, you know, things like that. I mean, your, your, your local uh, evening news will show you the highlights from games that you couldn't watch. You know what I mean? Cause there was no direct TV, 
uh, NBA League Pass or NFL Sunday Ticket. You you just had to watch the highlights. What was it called? George Michael's Sports Machine? Like at, at yep. Sunday Sports night? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's the only time you saw the highlights from games you could not see. Um, yeah, Red Rogan, all that shit. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I seen someone with a satellite dish where they could watch all the games. It was a friend of my dad's, and this is how long ago. This was like 90, it might have been 1990. And it was the one, remember everybody had those, well, not everybody, but a lot of people had those really big satellite dishes in the yard. I remember that. Yeah. You remember those? I don't know how prevalent those were on the East Coast because out here, you know what I mean? The really big satellite dishes. And I remember my my dad's friend, he had one and he was a Knicks fan. And we went over to his house to watch the game. And what I thought was odd was when the game went to commercial, the, the TV didn't. Oh. You know what I mean? Like it just stayed there. So you could like hear everything that was going on in the arena. Uh, if they didn't turn their mics off, you could hear what the announcers were saying. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. This was years and years ago. This is like 1990, 89, 90. And uh, that was really, really odd. It was. It seemed like, you know, as compared to today, we weren't supposed to see all the games or, or, or something like that. But the way that they covered sports, I was listening to this podcast, and the way that they covered sports was it wasn't about the stats. The stats is one thing. You know, um, you know I think it was 90, 1990 or 91 where um, the scoring championship was David Robinson and um, – Somebody else, I forgot who it was, and David Robinson scored 71 to win the scoring title. But we didn't look at him as being better than the best player in the game because of the stats. You had to win. You know what I mean? You had to win and you had to dominate. Stats and highlight reels were the two big changes, man. Because I remember it, all people care about were highlight reels too. Like people be losing the game. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. They'd be watching Sports Center for like they'd be acting like <laughs> like dudes won the game because they got the best highlight. It was a yeah. weird time. Yeah, I because think, um, back in the stats, day, we always. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Mario. I was gonna say, look, I think the the stat, the excessive stat watching started with gambling, and then you know because. With the gambling, it's not just betting on the games, but you can also do like other little bet. I'll bet this that he gets a hundred yards rushing, or I'll right. bet you know this quarterback throws four touchdowns or whatever like that. So it was a lot of side action that you could get money on. And then when the fantasy leagues got big, that's yeah. when it really took off. That kind of even, like be, even before down. even before the fantasy league, uh, the rotisserie leagues. Um, oh, that used yeah. to happen be- yeah. before the fantasy leagues. Like the fantasy yeah. leagues are basically like the the, uh, the later version of the rotisserie leagues. Yeah, rotisserie but, uh, baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Th- that made the stats go crazy too. Yeah, but even when we had guys like I can remember '96, Brady Anderson hit 56 home runs. You know that was a that was a big deal. You know what I mean to hit 56 home runs. You know this was wow. before Barry Bonds is you know <laughs> doing crazy stuff. But okay, but that we didn't think he was the best baseball player because he did that right. you know what i mean uh, I, I pulled up the article uh, it was um david robinson and shaquille o'neal 1994 and david robinson needed to score uh beat Shaq's average by a half a point so he had to score well, 71 I points i remember that shit right that was graceful but nobody said that david robinson was the best player in basketball because he was a scoring champion that year right. you know? i know Shaq. yes yeah <laughs> you know what i mean because we knew Shaq was better. You know, we knew Akeem Olajuwon was better than him. So it was right. almost like you had, if, this is when skills, like, you know, the quote unquote skills play, paid the bills. You know, you had to have those skills because, yeah, you did all these things during the regular season. But when we get to the playoffs, you know, how dominant are you? You know, how do you make your teammates better? Like that went around on all sports. Like that's the way all sports was seen uh, up until the debate shows. Now right. you have it to where it's, the star can play like shit and someone else gets blamed. You know, LeBron, I remember, LeBron plays like shit, you blame Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Wow. I, I remember a good example of like stats not really meaning much was because uh, I was a big Knicks fan and Allen Houston on paper, man, that dude, he was killing oh, it, yeah. but okay. he would hate to take like the clutch shot, the clutch shot. Yeah. So it was like, if they're already up, he'll score like 38 in a game like easy. But I used to feel like when it was like uh, time to take a clutch shot and whatever, he would just like not take it a lot. So it was yeah. like, there's people don't score that much, but they will, you know, in a clutch, like step up and kick it up a notch and do what they have to do. And some people, 
and you know when the getting is good those are rack up points but they're like you oh, know yeah there's always disappear. been guys that could fill up that there's always been guys that could fill up the stat sheet i mean um world be free you know what i mean world be free yeah. you know my pops <laughs> my pop says world be free never seen a shot he didn't like you know what i mean but world be free is not known as a winner you just know i remember a shot i remember um speaking of empty stat guys I remember the Dodgers had this player, Sean Green. Yep, Sean he Green. Was, yeah. He was just the king of the solo home run. That, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> God, the Dodgers would be down like seven to one, and Sean Green would come in and hit a solo home run, and it, yep. just, it didn't have any impact on the game whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, Sean Green him, was that guy. I remember he was, he was famous because he took off games for a Jewish holiday. I forgot what Jewish uh, yeah. holidays it was, but that was like a big deal when he did that. People, He didn't play any baseball that day. You know what I mean? Right. I was like, well, fuck you. It's not like he's playing baseball any other day. I mean, he's not that good, you know? <laughs> he, would, he would come in and hit a solo home run at the most, the just most useless time in the oh, game. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But would he be that guy that when people, when the bases were loaded, he, he couldn't deliver? No, exactly. Exact, no, no. Exact. no. <laughs> uh-uh. Bases loaded, he could <laughs> Solo walk off home. Oh man, he was the king of that shit. Yeah, was, no, oh, no, he's God. gonna he's gonna bat he's gonna bat two ninety. He's gonna have thirty home runs. You know, however many doubles, how many triples. But the team, I mean, back then the Dodgers sucked. So the Dodgers are still only gonna win seventy five games. You know what I mean? Yeah, he damn near had it over. He he batted uh, two eighty three for his career. So he yeah, yeah, exactly. Batted, you know what I mean? Close three hundred. You know, baseball always tripped me out because baseball is like. A sport where like your best hitter only get hits the ball like thirty percent of thirty percent of the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why we always tell people baseball is the ultimate game you never bet on. Right. I mean, it's the ultimate game you never bet on. So when I see people betting on baseball, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> if you're, on, you know how hard it is to bat three hundred for a season. You know what I mean? You look at a guy like Tony Gwynn who retired batting three hundred, but his team never was any good. You know what I mean? Like. The, the Padres weren't any good, but he always oh, he was, bat 300. He was that guy. He, he was, yeah, he was one yeah. of those guys that always have fantastic stats. Oh, man. He could hit the ball, man. He's one of the best hitters of all time. He's going to make contact. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, get on base. yeah, and get on base. Yeah. So it's like, you know, for baseball, is a very, very, baseball is one of those games where they could change a lot of things to make it more popular, but they won't because it's been around for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's records in baseball. That you, if you ever watch a baseball game and they'll start bringing up records from Walter Johnson back in 1912, I'm like, what the fuck? That record's not getting broken. You know, they don't even, pitchers don't even pitch complete games anymore. You're not going to see yeah. too many 30 game winners anymore. You know what I mean? Those days are over. You, now you're seeing Sandy Colfax. Yeah, those days are long gone. Like, you're going to see another Bob Gibson. Are you serious? You know what I mean? You're not going to see another Oral Hershiser, you know? So. But it might be for the better because guys are throwing their elbows out way too early in their careers. You know what I'm saying? Well, then, like, well then what they're doing now is they're having guys get Tommy John surgery without needing Tommy John surgery. Which is crazy to me, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. That's crazy to me right now. Yeah, um, baseball's a crazy sport, man. But, you know, Tommy yeah. John surgery is not the career in there that it used to be, you know? No, uh, no. If you get Tommy John's, that was it. Was yeah, Tommy John like, was like having a blown ACL as a running back. Right. And nowadays, you know, that's crazy how the, the technology and the science has advanced so much in sports where a torn ACL, your career was over. Yeah. Um, an Achilles tear, your career was pretty much over. But like now you can get that and come back with imagine, a year. Imagine Gail Sayers had the technology after he tore his knee. Yeah. Gail Sayers, his career was over because he blew his knee out. That was it. Right. You know what I mean? He only played six years. As great as right. Gail Sayers is, like you ever see the interview that Bill Cosby did talking about uh, Gail Sayers? No, he no. says he, he went and watched Gail Sayers at Wrigley Field and he said he was running so fast he split in two like an amoeba. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Gail Sayers was that like as a rookie, he scored six touchdowns in one game. It's still a record now. I mean, that's how that's how better he was compared to everybody else. The, the highlights is another thing. But if he had the, the surgery tech, the technology for surgery today or even Terrell Davis, Terrell Davis blew his knee out. That's what ended his career. Blew his knee out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that was in the late nineties. Trying to play in a Super Bowl on. Oh no, Terrell Davis. I'm tripping. I'm, th- I'm thinking you're talking about uh, Terrell Owens. Oh, oh Terrell, Owens. no, yeah, yeah, no, Terrell yeah, Davis. I mean, what, yeah, that's what ended Terrell Davis's career. Yeah, yeah, blown a blown knee, and and now we watch Adrian Peterson blow his knee out and come back and ran for two thousand yards. Yep, 
which is insane. Totally yeah, ten years later, less than less than ten years later. Yeah, yeah. Like that, right? so, Terrell Davis got hurt in what was that ninety nine two thousand? Yeah, yeah. But you know what though, uh, Marshall Falk, I think he came back from one though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Marshall, Marshall Falk, Falk was, came uh, back from a knee injury. He was never as fat, but his his skill level was just so crazy that it's funny. Know, uh, we were talking about Marshall Falk, me and my dad, and I can remember staying up. You know, you from the West Coast, Mario. Those late night whack college football games. Yeah, and yeah. Those games were at seven o'clock our time. It'd be like San Diego State against Hawaii or San right. Diego State against Pacific. And Marshall With the crazy Falk would, ass fours. Oh my God. And Marshall <laughs> Falk would run for 330 yards, something crazy. Yeah, and you wouldn't know if you lived on the East Coast, you didn't see it till the next morning. Right. You know, the stats. You know what I mean? You didn't see it till the I next morning. Teams never got. Yeah, Pac-10 teams had a hard time getting um, recognition because yeah. everybody on the East Coast was asleep by the time Pac-10 games would start. Well, it's funny um, because in New York, I'm on a T probably to speak on this, but on the in the East Coast, mainly New York, college football is not that big of a deal. I you think know, it's, I, 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 I think it is. I think it is, but among people who are into it, like like it's not the kind of thing that like the whole city gets around because there's not really any college football teams here. For right. people to get pumped about, so you have to be into like the mm -hmm. hobby, like, like, like when you're in a place where, for example, when um, when I was in Buffalo, a lot of people from Syracuse used to be really into um, into Syracuse uh, football, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that because there's something to be excited about. But like, you know, in New York City, it, yeah, in New York City, it's not really much to be uh, excited about. So it's like you have to be someone who's just into it, like as because you just like football that much. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I don't think you really so get a lot of casuals into it in New York. I was going to ask because I've never hear about blue chip high school football recruits coming out of New York either. Yeah, I know there has to be some. Like you guys do have high school football out there, no? Or, or I mean, yeah, I mean, someone, someone from my high school even uh, made it to the NFL, and and uh, you know, wow. like I've but, never but, heard of like the blue chip football players from uh, from New York in Jersey. I think, but, but, I think but, but, but it isn't, it isn't like. Texas, where like they just generate a no, ton of no, 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 right, like that. Where it's a whole religion. It's like, yeah, no. yeah, I think majority of the, the kids that are really, really good. I think for New York City, of just looking at recruiting, majority of the kids that are really good are in Long Island. Yeah, so exactly. It's and and, and like in high Long school, Island I went to like that. And in high school, uh, I went to Long Island for like my last three years of high school. Right, okay, and that was yeah. the only place where uh, I started seeing like um, people. With NFL chatter around them, and that was like uh, right. But 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 also like in Long Island, like like adults will you know be going to high school football games to, to watch somebody just kill it. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So yeah. So, right. so yeah, yeah. You're absolutely absolutely right. Uh, that in Long Island is more you're more likely to uh, see it. Uh, didn't Tom didn't Tom Brady uh, tear tears ACL? Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he tore his ACL. That was probably around 2010. I think I forgot what year that was. Um, yeah, I forget when he when he. Tore it, but it was 2011. That's another example. Like that's that. another poster child for coming back from a torn ACL. Like, well, you know, Tom Brady. A lot of people don't notice, but Tom Brady's a big ass dude. Like, Tom Brady's oh. not a little dude. Like, Tom Brady yeah, is six four, four but he's big. Yeah, mm. he's a big guy. You know what I mean? So for for him, you know, he's not running around in the pocket. You know what I mean? Tom Brady tore his ACL in 2008. Yeah. In 2008. So, and he came back the very next year and played just fine. So. I think it just depends on the way you play. Like, I think Jerry Rice tore his knee when he was up in age. Yeah. yeah. And he came back. Yeah, he came back and played pretty well. But that's a different type of animal. That's a different that's guy. Jerry Rice. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about one of the most well-conditioned athletes. Yeah. You know, in the history of professional football. He said he learned how to catch the ball really well because his dad would toss some bricks from off the top of a house. Oh, wow. You know what Yo, I mean? so why do so many like, like why do so many like athletic um freaks in nature nine times out of ten have weird dads? Like oh fuck man so many yeah. like weird dads, man. Like uh Kobe Bryant's another one. Like yeah, uh he was saying how his dad used to play him in basketball all the time, like you know, over in Italy and stuff. Uh be playing him in basketball, and he wouldn't go easy on him, you know, even though that's his kid, he would like dominate, dominate him, yell, yeah, yell at him. And he said, like the first time, I think he said he was in in, in high school, high school, either in junior high, senior, or like uh, early high school. He said he finally beat his dad once, and his dad put the basketball down, and never played him again. <laughs> like, 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 his dad, his dad, like, seriously, got pissed. He, he said his dad never ever played him 
Never ever played him again. I think there's there's <laughs> that level. There's that level of dads, but then there's extreme. Like Mario, I know you know this name. You remember Tom Marinovich? Yeah. Tom Marinovich. Um, I think Tom Marinovich is from L.A. County somewhere. And his dad, Marv, was a football coach, but his dad was like this. Uh, they called him like the um, like a quarterback whisperer. And Tom Marinovich's dad was totally insane as far as training his son to be a quarterback. And he pretty much never let him have a Twinkie till he was like 20 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. And like it took it in Tom Marinovich went to USC. He was left handed quarterback. So and he wasn't naturally left handed. His dad made him be left-handed. Wow. So he ended up, Tom Marinovich ended up being drafted by the LA Raiders at the time. They weren't in Oakland. And then, you know, come to find out he was a full-blown heroin addict. I think he's still a heroin addict to this day, today, today, right now. But they're probably not unrelated because I was going to ask next, like, what kind of demons did he have? Because sometimes those dads give you demons <laughs> because they well the uh, demons the demons was the you. abuse it was the abuse y- yeah, so his, yeah, yeah yeah his dad pretty much mentally abused him like pretty much he eat sleep shit football like he didn't get a chance to on the weekend have the girlfriend go hang out with friends and not, no it's football yeah that's so once, important, he, once he got to the nfl and you have all these things like you know um so i know that i know a few guys that played in the nfl i know one guy in particular i'm not gonna say his name um, he played in the NFL. Good guy, man. This kid is great kid. He's probably about 33, 34 now. And great high school player, pretty good college player. But because of the type of person he was, the NFL was not for him. It was not going to benefit him. It was not going to um, serve him well at all. And I think the same thing happened to Todd Marinovich, is that because he had been bred to be this quarterback and this type of athlete, when you get to the NFL and you have all these vices around, and all these things around now you got money too. all the hype you got the media coverage it broke him it broke him you know what i mean um there's a if yeah. you guys watch uh i am athlete it's a podcast with fred taylor channing crowder they had uh jamarcus russell on there jamarcus russell was number one draft pl- pick for the raiders got 35 million guaranteed it just didn't work out for him right you know, he and, you know, most rookies, even if you play bad, the team that drafts you, you'll get another job as a backup somewhere. He didn't even get that. No, After three no, years, he was out of the league. He was like, uh, what's, what's your boy that got drafted ahead of Peyton Manning? Ryan Leaf. Uh, Ryan Leaf, yeah. But Ryan yeah, Leaf got a second chance. He got backup backup jobs and things like that, whereas Jamarcus Russell got nothing. And he, in yeah. the interview, one of the things that I noticed, it's a, it's a really yeah, good you know interview. You know, kid. You know, you you know. There's a whole. Well, I already, you know, there's 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 a whole <laughs> lot that goes beyond all. That's a whole another conversation. Right. Why Ryan right. Leaf got backup jobs, and he ended up being a junkie. You know what I'm saying? And Jamarcus uh, Russell didn't. And I'm not gonna say Jamarcus Russell was a junkie, but he admitted that he was doing promethazine, codeine. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was, uh, a yeah, <laughs> he, was a, he was definitely that. And the interview was interesting because. I think Jamarcus Russell is only 33 years old right now, 33, 34, something like that. He's not even that old, but he's so he the accountability. He wouldn't admit that he just wasn't ready for the NFL and all the things that came along with it. So there's a story. Uh, Kirk Morrison, linebacker, played for the Raiders. He said that when Jamarcus Russell got drafted to the Raiders at that time, the Raiders were horrible. You know, they were in Oakland. Al Davis was old. You know, I think Al Davis died two years later, something like that. He tells a story about how the coaches were kind of worried about Jamarcus Russell's mental. Like, is he prepared to be a professional quarterback? You know, so they sent him home with a DVD and they told him, hey, uh, go check this DVD out and let us know what plays you like. Um, And, you know, come back to practice the next day and let us know. So he came back the next day and told all the coaches that, oh, yeah, I like a couple of these plays on here. Now, the coaches start looking at each other like, what the fuck? The reason why is because the DVD was there was nothing on it. <laughs> I had a feeling with something like that. Yeah. I thought they were gonna at least put some bullshit on there. No, <laughs> that's what I thought. I, I thought they had some whack players, right? but but they they sort of put nothing on the on the DVD. There was nothing on the DVD. Oh no! So when he comes back talking about he'd like some players on, they start looking at each other like, oh yeah, this motherfucker ain't ready. <laughs> he wasn't even smart enough to just put the damn DVD in the DVD player, bro. Damn, bro, that's crazy. That I've never heard that story before. Now that's he wild. and he said that it happened. It was true. He said on the podcast with 
Channing Crowder and all those guys that it was true. The problem is he took it away as they was fucking with him. Mm. You know what I mean? In his mind, he's like, oh, this should have been helping me. Well, they was. You know what I mean? Because when you would have looked at the DVD and seen it was empty, then you guys could have had a professional conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, you, you know what I mean? This is the, the I, I mean, I mean, I mean, they were fucking with him, but for his own good. For his own good. Exactly. Okay, now, here's my toxic trait. I don't like shit like that. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with y'all. Like, I've had I've had jobs where, like, I found out they were, like, doing shit just to see which you and I quit the job because I, I just I don't fucking like games. Just talk to me about whatever it is you're concerned about. And then we'll go forward from there. But like doing the like I had this manager and um, he would go and we were supposed to be cleaning out these can these containers a certain way. And what he would do was go to each container at each person's stop and put something under the container so he will know if the thing is still there when he goes and checks it again. He knows that you didn't do exactly how you're supposed to be doing it. And so I just happened to catch mine, but then when he talked to me about it, I'm such a jackass. I just told him, I said, you know what, dude, I don't like stuff like that, man. Like, just tell people, we're all grown here, just tell people what the deal is and then let the chips fall where they may. With that bullshit games, and I, I don't like that type of shit, man. I, well, they agree, they, they, I, agree, they, I agree with you in principle, but I yeah. feel like when you play in college and rookie football, it's a weird world because, for example, when you go to your job, no one's going to haze you either. You know what I'm saying? No, like, no. That's something that has to do with sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, if you start a job, you know, the, the best of the people at your job is not going to, like, play pranks on you or whatever. You're going to start fighting. Like, like, I always feel like when you start, when you're playing a college college ball or you're playing, like, like a rookie, it's just a weird kind of, you got to take some shit type of environment. So well, that's why also I have they, a special Also, they didn't that. invest $35 million into you. You know what I'm saying? That's true. That's true. That's, true yeah. That's fair. That's fair. If I if I if I'm if I give you 35 million motherfucking dollars, I'm gonna try all the goddamn tricks in the book to make sure that you're worth that 35 million, or I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a loss. And that's that's what the Raiders ended up doing was taking a loss yeah, because this dude wasn't. So there's another thing, but see, this is the thing though about him particularly. It's one thing that they were fucking with you, but you were giving them reasons. So another story is he said that it was getting close to the end of the season or something. And he, he, uh, they wanted, I think it might've been the end of the season and they wanted him to come in for like the last team meeting or something, something like that. You know, that's how sports is. They want you to come in and try to be a team, whatever. Well, he told them that he needed to take his mom to the airport. So he wasn't going to be able to go. Lo and behold, he was really going to Vegas to kick it. Well, uh-huh. when he got to the airport, guess who saw him there? You know what I mean? One of his teammates. By the time he lands in Vegas, the story's already out that Jamarcus Russell skipped team meetings and he's in Vegas. So you're not helping yourself now. And I get it, but it takes that's why I said about uh, uh, the kid I know that played in the NFL. It takes a certain first of all, first things first, you got to be a crazy motherfucker to play football anyway. It's a fucking three hour car wreck. okay? but you got to be a specific type of person to play in that league. You, it's not for the faint of heart. You know what I mean? Because these are grown men. So you get drafted, right? And I say, oh, first round draft pick, Mario, uh, you're going to get 60, 60 million, 35 million guaranteed. You come into the locker room, you got 31, 32-year-old grown-ass men with mortgages and families in the locker room. Yeah. The last thing they want to hear about is your stupid ass missing a meeting to go kick it in Vegas. Right. And you guys all play for a team that sucks. Because well, unlike, yeah. the, unlike any other sport, NFL contracts aren't guaranteed. You know what I mean? That's why when you watching when you watch the NFL season, right? And it'll be like the Jets or some shit. You know, just a team that ain't shit. Even at the end of the season, they're playing hard because this is a job audition. This is a job interview for your next job. That shit ain't yeah. guaranteed. Towards an NBA, a team like the Wizards ain't worth a the fuck. Them motherfuckers just don't give a damn. By the end of the season, they all shut down and have surgery. You see a bunch of white dudes on the court. <laughs> One, two, three, Cancun. That's exactly. <laughs> literally. Literally. You know what I'm saying? By yeah. January in the NBA, we know who ain't shit. But uh, you'll see teams in the NFL, they're 1-15 in 15 or 2-10, and and they're giving the Patriots the, a hell of a fight. Why? Right. Because this is a fucking job interview for the next mm-hmm. job. You know what I mean? So when you're a young rookie and you come in bullshitting, you know, it happened to Andre Risen. It happened to all these dudes. You know what I mean? The only person I can think of, I remember uh, watching this interview with Michael Irvin, 
And when he got drafted at the University of Miami, his college coach also became the head coach. And his college coach used him as the one to go find out who's taking this shit serious. And the very next year, they cut a whole bunch of dudes. Michael Irvin told him, oh, he ain't taking this serious. He ain't shit. He just want to get paid. He's just looking for, you know, some sponsorships. Boom. But what happened? The Cowboys started winning. You know what I mean? So it takes a certain type of person on a football team. Now, basketball is a little different, but football is you really got to be together or everything will just be fucked up. This is where I'm going to pull a Mario. Like, that's what I hate. I can't stand that dude that's working with you. But he's, he's secretly snitching. But I mean, it, 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 I mean, it worked because because they won. Like, so it's yeah. undeniable, you know, but I, I couldn't I'd have trouble being that dude. But but I think like you were saying, like T was saying, you know, uh, from going to college to the NFL, you got to put up with some shit. And I think what people don't realize that football in particular, it's like a fraternity. Yeah, it really is like being on a frat team, because even in high school, when you're Mario, you know, when you a senior, if they let any freshmen on the varsity team, then we about to put his ass through some shit. Oh, yeah. Shit, even a sophomore, anybody JV that got pulled up, they getting it, period. You getting you getting some work put on you because. I know what I've been through. I'm a senior. This is it for me. If, for a lot of us, after senior year in high school, there is no more football. Right. So we ain't about to let your little young ass come in here, one, take nobody's job, two, make us look like a damn fool. So imagine, right. when, like I said, you step into a locker room, you're a rookie, and you got 31, 32-year-old grown-ass men. You know what I'm saying? I, and, and some of the conversations that I've had with guys that played in the NFL and some of the conversations that they've heard in locker rooms is total grown man shit. And I could imagine a 20-year-old don't want to step into a locker room and you got one guy talking about talking to his agent about some shit that's going on in his life. You got another guy trying to borrow some money. You know what I mean? You got another guy that's dealing with an addiction that don't nobody know about. You know what I mean? All of these things are happening. <laughs> All of these things are happening. You know, uh, he told me, he said he realized that um he was on a he started on a practice squad. And he was getting paid like 17 grand. Uh, they, I think NFL teams only get paid every Tuesday. So he was, you know, for 17 weeks, $17,000. That's what he was getting paid every Tuesday. But you had guys that when the season started, they were already broke. So they're trying to borrow 40 grand to pay this off and borrow 10 grand to pay this off. And you know what I mean? It's just you have all these things going on. I think that's why a lot of sports handicappers. I don't know if they still have handicappers out there, like the, uh, the bookies and stuff like that, especially in the 80s. Those bookies, they made a lot of money because they knew they had inside information of what was going on on football teams about who's who got a baby mama that's tripping, who's alcoholic or who's on cocaine, uh, wow. who's dealing with a scandal that we just ain't heard about yet. You yeah. know what I mean? Deshaun Watson is just the first one that we know about. This, this shit's been going on for 50 fucking years. Wow. You know what I mean? Alex Karras and Paul Horning got damn near banned at the NFL for gambling. And that was in the 60s. You know what I mean? So. When you hear about all these things going on and you telling me that you bet on sports, man, I don't I don't gamble on sports. I don't. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's it's very interesting because like Mario, we know you hear about this stuff in boxing when the fight is over. Oh, he was dealing with a shoulder injury. Oh, he was dealing with a divorce. They said that about Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, a broken hand. Well, shit, I already put my money on this shit and he's losing. And I find out later on, oh, it's because he wasn't even prepared. You know what I mean? He wasn't he mentally wasn't even prepared you know so it's all those things that play into it you know on a team sport let alone individual like boxing but on a team sport where i don't know what the fuck i I don't know how i would deal with it you know and and that's why a lot of a lot of players don't like going to certain teams because they know that from the top down it's just a horrible place to work like i've heard stories about certain teams in the nfl first class organizations steelers cowboys giants you know patriots when you know when the game is over your check is in your locker room is in your locker. But then I've heard about other teams where when the game is over, you ain't got no check and your check don't clear until Thursday. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is still a business. It's still a job. And they you know, live in the, check to check. They live in check to check because the owner's live in check to check because he's got some shit going on that don't nobody know about. You know what I mean? So there's certain franchise that that, te- that these players will stay away from. That's why they suck for so long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's yeah. it's totally business, but as a young person and you don't understand business, like I couldn't imagine being 20 years old, being in the NFL and playing for a team that ain't shit. Especially coming from a dirt poor background. Oh, my sudden, God. Getting uh, 17 grand a week. Oh, my goodness. Whew. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
and you're not paying for your, you know, room and board is paid for. You get a stipend. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I had a friend that used to collect autographs. I don't know if you guys know this, but people used to sell autographs on eBay when eBay first started. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Uh, I have a yeah. friend and he used to sell autographs on eBay. Um, and he said that uh, specifically for like NBA players, NBA and NBA cities. And he was like, you know, here in Portland, he would uh, get to, I forgot what hotel the players used to stay at, but um, he said, you'd have to get there early. You know what I mean? Cause teams got in at night, you know? And he said, you go into the lobby and there'd be 30, you know, 20, 30 different women running around. You're like, wait a minute, it's fucking November. It's 32 degrees outside. And these women are in here with short skirts on. So now you got this problem going on. Now you got the, now you got the cleat chasers. You know what I'm saying? You got, the, you got cleat chasers, you know what I'm saying, they're coming like, after you. They're like, they're like lot lizards for truck drivers. Literally. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know this this woman that you met in the lobby at the bar in the, at the Marriott has your best interest? You know what I mean? She got a fat ass and everything looks great. And then you find out, you know, um, I don't know if we talked about this, but that's what baller alert used to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah, that's why they call it baller alert because it used to be about um gold diggers and whatever. But but you know what it was like that too. Lipstick Alley and Baller Alert both started as that. Lipstick Alley was about gold digging too. And for some reason, they just kind of turned into something else. It turned into oh, they all turned into shade room TMZ type. But I remember vividly yeah. Baller Alert on Instagram used to be oh uh two chains is staying over at the such and such hotel. Y'all better get over there. Like that's some same thing with lipstick alley. That's kind of why they were so good at gossip because they started the gossip for the purpose of keeping each other up to date on who's cheap and who's not, who's showing up where, where can you go to to land yourself like a I mean, I mean the name is right there, like baller alert, but I don't know why lipstick alley had that name because it sounds like a lady of the night kind of thing, but right. it was it was for the same, it was for the same thing. And I guess the gossip just started becoming about everything, not just about how to get also i think a lot of them weren't having success <laughs> landing no, anybody no. so they just kept the gossip but gave up on the but it was really uh, gross i remember that that was like around 2012 2013 and i remember seeing the the instagram page and i was like damn nigga that's gross you know what i mean and of course the oh, comment section was filled up with people you oh, know what i mean shit. arguing debating same old whatever but of course. i don't i don't know i think these days um there's certain like baseball and football hasn't changed as far as the culture around the way athletes have to behave, but it's definitely changed in the NBA um, in the NBA. And that's why you see a lot of, a lot of young NBA players just getting got, I mean, they're getting got by gold diggers. They're getting got by uh, snake oil salesmen trying to sell them shit. You know what I mean? It just happens over and over and over again. And the NBA has become more of an influencer league. You know what yeah, I mean? No, it's not really a lot about basketball. Scotty Pippen got tricked out of a lot of his fortune with bad real estate deals. Oh yeah, yeah. Christian Leitner was part of that too. He, yeah, he tricked a lot. Oh, of I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to look that up. It's Christian Leitner and another player that went to Duke. Um, they had these ideas, and Scotty Pippen was one that lost money in that. I think they went to court, and Scotty Pippen lost or something. I don't remember, but you know that's the way that they handle business in the NBA now compared to the NFL. Like it's June, it's July twenty sixth. There's going to be somebody getting tackled in roughly about a month. We don't see shit on TV about training camp. You know what I mean? We don't see anything about what's going on in the NFL because they protect the shield. Towards the NBA is more or less like an influencer league where it's not really about basketball anymore. It's about individuals. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's a good thing. You know what I mean? I don't for the for the league. Now the game itself, whatever. But for the league, I don't know if it's a good thing. I think you sent me something uh, where it was a baseball player and uh, Mark Cuban and some other people in the room. And the baseball player was kind of complaining that he wishes baseball was more an influencer league the way basketball is. Because, you know, people getting all these deals, you know, it gets to be a little more famous and get all this yeah. stuff. And Mark Cuban was bragging about, you know, how that was by design. And, you know, he tries to make everyone into like a brand or whatever. And that yeah. dude's like a dumbass, man. I mean, I know he's like a good businessman on paper, but he has some of the worst ideas I've ever seen a human being have when it comes to business. Like, I don't understand how... I mean, I guess he has so much money, he can just keep doing dumb stuff. Yeah, he has a lot of failures. Yeah, he has so many. But uh, everything he described, I think, is exactly why like the NBA is like terrible now. But he was saying like, it was a great thing. Have you ever seen him talk about like stuff like crypto, too? He has some... He's always going out there shilling crypto. Like, not even like 
things like Bitcoin, but really dubious crypto. That dude who pedal pedal some stuff that should be way beneath a billionaire. Like like that's one way he's like Trump. You know Trump does some weird like scams where it's like, yo, mm-hmm. dude, this should be like a rich dad, poor dad guy. Like you're supposed to be a billionaire. Why are you doing this level of scam? Like like he would be doing some weird scams. He's just not uh, to be trusted. I think I think that's what a lot of uh, people don't realize when it comes to like basketball. Basketball, for the most part, is a scam within itself. You got to go all the way down to the, the little kid level. You know what I mean? You pay a whole lot of money for a lot of shit. You really don't get anything out of it. You know what I mean? Um, the camps, they make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, when you're comparing it to baseball, one of the things, and I had this conversation online with a bunch of people, and it just went left, talking about why isn't there more black players in baseball um, it was because of money. You know what I mean? They don't want to invest money. Now, they just started something, I think it's like $150 million they're going to invest in uh, inner cities or whatever, but they've spent the better part of the last 25 years investing money in the Caribbean. And one of the reasons why they're doing that is because one of the reasons is leverage in negotiations. You know what I mean? If you get a kid from the hood and trying to negotiate uh, money, you're going to lose out as compared to negotiating with someone from a third world country in Latin America. You know what I mean? You can pretty much gain leverage over them. They build, they built facilities over in the Caribbean, like in the Dominican Republic, specifically Puerto Rico, places like that. And they have these baseball players. And, you know, once they get them to the major leagues, they don't really have to pay them. You know what I mean? Compared to American born players, you have things, you have guys like uh, Kyler Murray, who plays for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Ricky Williams, who played uh, Russell, uh, Russell um, Wilson. Those guys were getting paid playing triple A ball in college. So Russell Wilson was, hadn't been broke since he was in college, you know what I mean? Or, or Ricky Williams and Kyler Murray, because when you sign a contract at a high school, you're getting paid. That's one thing dude, baseball will do is take care of your ass. So you're paid. All the money. Oh, yeah. $500,000 as a, a fifth round draft pick. And, you're, and they know that you're going to play college football. You're going to play some baseball, but not really. You know what I mean? And you can still get to cash those checks. As compared to the guys coming to the Dominican Republic, you ain't got to pay them to they get to the to the major leagues. Baseball, first. baseball is a sport that plans long term, long term, long term in a farm system in a minor league. They'll yeah, cut those players away for years. That's what the Dodgers are doing right now. That's why the Dodgers are so yeah. good. The Yankees used to be known for having a, a super deep. Absolutely, especially in the Dominican Republic. Right, (laughs) (laughs) guys like El Duque. He's a Yankee guy. These are Yankee. You know those Yankee teams in the '90s, from like '96 all the way up to like 2005. Those were all farm league guys. You can't get veterans in there to play for other teams. And and people used to love their farm leagues, like because they were so deep in talent. Like, like you would see like top notch baseball on the Yankee farm league. I remember people used to go there. People would go there and watch games and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially because it was it was cheaper than um you know going to the stadium. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would see some high quality on um, baseball. It's, it's it's still like that to a certain degree, but when you're talking about trying to trying to get black players back involved in baseball, it's more than just it's it's not just money either. You know, when you if you're an African American kid growing up in the inner city, when you turn on a baseball game, let alone you don't see yourself. You don't even see anything that resembles you. You don't hear anything. You don't see anything. You still, it still looks the same as 1988. Yeah, I can't quite put my finger on because I know I loved baseball growing up as a kid. Absolutely. All the kids in my neighborhood played baseball. We all played we all baseball. Played, we all played in Little League. And um, I don't know what, where it changed that somewhere in the 90s a lot of my friends that played baseball as kids as, as when we were kids um they just made a total commitment to football i don't even think but it was I, anything that baseball did i think it's what the other sports did you know mm-hmm. with the entry you know 1996 to me is like a pivotal year for for basketball because mm-hmm. jordan i always tell people this magic johnson made basketball look like fun michael jordan made baseball look like construction work you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it was just hard ass work. But then you got this new age, Allen Iverson, St- uh, Steph Marbury, Steve Francis, Strohmile Swift, all these dudes that. Yeah, this is hip hop now. You know, you remember the Allen Iverson uh, commercial with Jada Kiss rapping? I you know do. what I mean? You no, weren't going to no, see no, nothing no. that with baseball. Mm. All right, y'all. So 
that is the end of part one go to again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two be good